0: Hey, you like Pez? It looks like that. Here's Heaney from the boundary line. He's an expert at these. From the boundary
1: line. Hello and welcome to Behind the Boundary podcast. I'm your host Pez. I'm here with Source, and we are here on a Wednesday after a uh, big. Weekend of footy and a big Sunday session as well. Source when uh, we went to Melbourne versus Geelong.
0: Yeah, hey guys, the reason we are recording on a Wednesday is Pez has just recovered. He uh, was a little bit worse for wear on the, the Sunday night after a few bevs and couldn't get it up for the game Monday night. Couldn't get up for Tuesday and uh, a sloppy Wednesday. I'm looking at looking at your Pez. That's
1: a that's a big call coming <laughs> from you uh, when you <laughs> said,
0: "Oh, why are you going on holidays?" And then you go on a
1: mystery mystery trip. Uh, on a Tuesday, he didn't even tell me where he's going, and then he goes, "Oh, I'm just at Geelong. I'll be back soon." Typical. Well, you go away to Geelong. There's no
0: footy going on. Why are you going down to that shit town? Typical. Typical Pez, just dodging the question, addressing the what you said. You said the reason we were doing it on a Wednesday is because you had a had a seedy Monday. Would that be wrong? Oh, I I was not up for it on Monday. <laughs> Definitely not uh, calling that. I said let's
1: do it on Tuesday. Oh, I can't do it Tuesday. I'm going away. All right, no questions asked.
0: Where are where, where you, go? you go To Geelong. Oh, you're, you're a bit of a liar then. No questions asked. And the first thing you do is ask a question. I didn't ask the question. You I just said it. you
1: told me. You told me you're coming back from Geelong and that's how I found Yeah, and
0: I, was, and I went to Geelong. It was a nice little uh, day trip. Went to a nice winery down there. Enjoyed the, the nice wind on the, the edge of the cliff because it was freaking freezing. But it was, right. uh, it was a good little getaway. I'll, yes, I will, thanks, I will, thanks for asking.
1: I will tell you what's, <laughs> what's happening with that. The supporters and the listeners, they don't want to listen to, to that crap. They want to listen to us talk about the footy. But uh, the Sunday... Very, uh, very frustrating for you as a oh. Cats man, uh, sitting there. We were playing uh, in the second quarter, one of my favorite games.
0: Things you never hear at the oh, footy. Things you never hear at the football day. No, well, geez, it was funny because the the game was already seemed lost for Geelong <laughs> that early on the stage, oh, and we, we dominated. Just went, uh, went went to town on it. We played it for about a quarter while smacking back a couple of mids. But though, Pez, I, I, one of the questions we did ask on that, if anyone knows, are they mids on a Sunday afternoon because they didn't taste like middies. They taste like full strength beer. Look, they never used to be mids yeah. on, a, on an
1: Arvo game on a Saturday or a Sunday but then they, they I think they did change that rule or they didn't change that rule. I actually have no idea and hadn't been to the footy at the MCG in over a year so uh, interesting to know the answer to that if anyone does know at Behind the Bound Twitter, Facebook and Instagram there and uh, yeah we'll go from there.
0: Alright Piers, what was one of the best ones, uh, things uh, never said at the footy? Well you said I was a bit seedy Monday I can't actually remember <laughs> some of the, the
1: beautiful calls I had. I had
0: you laughing all day there Source uh, oh, but it was a combination I'm, back then. There was a I'm little sure bit of ping you've pong. Sure, you got there. one. Sure, you got one. Yeah, of course. It was. Uh, I, I, you know, um, geez, the umpires. Uh, I wish they were a bit more involved in this game. You could talk about. Uh, we had one about the uh, all, bit of a uh, trash to the All Australians. saying like Melbourne are rucking really well with one ruckman. I wish there was. I wish I had two All Australian ruckmans in the one side. They, they could have, and it didn't even matter because Geelong. Th- that's what we were saying. I was.
1: My question to you was. Geelong have gone out and recruited all these players, Source have recruited Higgins and
0: Dalhouse, players like that over the years. Why did they never recruit Todd Goldstein? Why didn't they recruit a Ruckman anywhere? Why didn't they draft a Ruckman? What what, what is wrong with Geelong? And like this is a bigger issue. Like, you know, things never said at the football. Geez, Geelong's Ruckman's good. <laughs> <laughs> because we've never got a Ruckman. It's it's horrible. Yeah, it's held you back. It's held you back. It's uh not too good, but uh We will get
1: into our recap of the games and we're doing it within our favourite segment source. We've got a lot of them here on Behind the Boundary and the first one we'll start with is Over Under. And our first game that we do now, these source, as we know from last week, are not always in order, but we are starting from the first game from the Thursday night. We've got Sydney versus Essendon. Sydney won by three points in the end, 83 to 80. Uh, a, a good watch on a Thursday night. Essendon supporters filthy at the end there, source. So you've got an over-under.
0: Yeah, well, before we get into the over-under, I think Essendon supporters were filthy with the the, the last decision, the Tom Hickey um, decision, which, which I'll get into the end, Pez. But I think Sydney supporters should have been more filthy with the fact that they almost squandered this lead. They had 28 scoring shots to 20. And in that last quarter, Papley especially, just firing away, blazing away and goal, and they could not put Essendon away. And if they put Essendon away, then we wouldn't even be talking about this, um, you know, marking out of the, what is it, taking the ball out of the ruck and being tackled and, you know, the umpire um, um, AFL coming out and saying that it was, you know, it was the right we would be talking about um, you know the the dominant domination that Sydney had on Essen because they dominated all facets of this game coming into that last quarter and they just needed to put it on the scoreboard. Yeah, they did. Like Essendon were were decent
1: going up forward. The the part of the game source that I wasn't happy with with Sydney was their defence when they were kicking behinds and squandering uh, opportunities, Essendon were going end-to-end, and they kicked three goals in a row there in that second quarter, and it just looked uh, loss for, for all things. You're going up against this Essendon side, full of confidence, uh, a 75-point win over St Kilda the week before. Um, Sydney came out in the first quarter, kicked 2-5 to 4-1, and they they nearly stuffed it up there in the second quarter when Essendon came out, kicked the first three, but Sydney kicked uh, 5 goals after that to close out the half and, and take a half time lead, uh, which was good by them, but then they still squandered uh, opportunities and
0: and still nearly let Essendon go down the other end and steal it. Yeah, they did. Um uh, Buddy Franklin here kicked his nine hundred and fiftieth goal and kicked an absolute cracker in the last quarter as well to seal the seal the deal for the Swans and um you're right about this. Is that you know there, that's there's nothing a bigger killer in football when a team goes down. They've had all the forward pressure and then Essendon go or any team goes end to end score a goal. It's a back it's a backbreaker and it almost cost um, Sydney their unbeaten streak. I definitely did, and it's it's not great, but it is great for
1: Essendon fans. I think Jake Stringer's uh, return to the side is really giving them something up forward and giving them something else. Kyle Hooker kicked another three goals, and oh, I keep saying Kyle, just you okay. can't, can't play him up forward, but he actually got one and, and rove the pack and snapped it over his shoulder. Uh, Waterman's come in. He kicked uh, two straight, but the uh, the guy I'm looking at here is Nick Cox, the, the big bloke running down on the wing. He kicked a beautiful goal uh, on the opposite foot. But then he had a set shot later in the game, source, and he's kicked it with his right boot, and he's he's got nowhere near it. And if he kicked that, I think Essendon nearly go on to win that game. So. He kicked one to the big fellow.
0: Yeah, and you know, a very versatile sort of player. They, you know, he basically played everywhere around the ground except for the ruck. You know, but even though for his size, he probably could have played in the ruck as well. Um, you know, a lot of comparisons went out to Adam Goods in terms of the versatility around the ground. He can sort of do everything, but you, you're a little bit disappointing that when it comes to the basic stuff, continually AFL players let fans down and let themselves down in their clubs by not doing the easy stuff and just. You know, making shit easy for for everyone realistically, and that's probably the way it is. If he kicks the basic stuff, kicks the right goal, then then they're then they're good to go. They probably go on and win it. Well, that's the thing as well. And uh, one other thing I want to mention is if
1: you've got a player that's in defence source and you want to use them, and they've got a beautiful kick, uh, you've got to use him throughout the whole game. Nick Hind for the Bombers, he had four touches, two in each quarter in the f- in the first half uh, to half time. He finished the game on nineteen touches and looked really damaging, kicking the ball inside forward fifty. But they just weren't using him or he was standing in the wrong positions. I think that's got to be looked at. If, you, if you're going to use him as an elite ball user, running off the back line, a fast-paced type player, uh, you've got to get him open in more positions to be able to do that.
0: Yeah, 100%, Pez. It's like, you know, why do teams go away from things that are working for three quarters of a game and then change the style? It's the same thing as the other one. If you've got people that are doing the right thing, reward them, give them the ball. It's, you know, you compare it quite often. What we I just compared it then is that when teams go away from something that's working... You know, and and then they they, they become stolted like you know, like Fremant, sorry uh, Sydney continually attacked the footy in this. They were just inaccurate. You know, if they had they had tried and stalled the game and tried to slow it down and gone away, what had they done them to get them in front? They would have they would have messed this game up and they would have lost by heaps. So, it's good to see that, that aspect of it. But you are right when teams go away from things that are working and don't continually attack or don't continually use players or you know you know guys kicked four or five goals. You, you, I always compare it to like Russell Westbrook. You know, you watch him play, and like you know, when they were going through those, those championship sort of you know, aspirations in the OKC days, Kevin Durant would hit four or five shots, and then Westbrook would like freeze him out of the game. It's like that's what the AFL needs to do. They need to continually do the things to to get the ball to the players that are making impact.
1: Yeah, if Jake Stringer's on fire and he's kicked three and a as quarter, much as no
0: one likes him giving the ball. Keep giving him the ball. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's
1: the thing. You got an over under for this one?
0: I do have an over under, and this one is um, again we um, we're, we're talking about an AFL, a decision. That's this is the third week in a row that there's been a fifty or fifty fifty, a bit of dubious, probably eighty twenty decision that the AR umpires have um, messed up. Ideally, but the biggest story out of this one for me and it's something that we harp on, Piers, all the time is. The AFL has actually come out when, so Tom Hickey's taken the ball out of the ruck, taken two or three steps, clearly being tackled. Not only did he get tackled and the ball spill out, so he didn't dispose of it correctly. The umpires have said, no, you know what, we'll ball it up. Everyone knew it was holding the ball. It was very clear that, and it wasn't because of the the rule where, you know, you're taking it out of the ruck and being tackled. Hey, Before
1: you keep going, the
0: AFL actually came out and gave the tick of approval to this one. And this is where, this is where my uh, over-under is, is that we're getting to a, a stage in the AFL, so every round we're having this thing, and for the first time ever the AFL came out and said that the decision was wrong for, for la- the Brisbane Geelong game. So there's 17 rounds we're, we're averaging one a week, right? I'm going to put it down lower, about six and a half the times that the AFL is going to come out and say uh, that, that they've, um, they've made an error, which, which is very high, I think. I might have to get a bit lower. No, that's too high, sauce so that's uh, way too maybe high. Maybe four and a half, I'll go. Four and a half over under that the AFL will come out and use it as an educational um, learning experience rather than a, no, no, we're doing a good job and uh, put it under the rug. I hope you keep a tally on this
1: one because I'm going to say that if it does happen, it'll happen one more time this season. It'll be a blatantly obvious call like the the Geelong-Brisbane game because they just haven't had the history of doing that source. They just don't want to come out and say, yep, this umpire was wrong for whatever reason. Uh, they don't want to put pressure on the umpires or whatever. That's actually their job and it would actually be better if you did put pressure on that umpire because it teaches every other umpire this at the
0: same time but i don't think it's about putting pressure on it's about looking at the long-term aspect of things if we continually say that wrong decisions are right then when the, that same decision gets made later on that's going to be wrong as well now we've got two that are wrong rather than someone goes hey that's right um you know this, this sorry that was wrong you know you need to blow it this way and then the next time it happens there's no excuse because they, the first defense is going to be like well last week you told me that was right and when it's very clearly that's the wrong interpretation of the rule yeah, well, <laughs> I'm definitely under <laughs> on it. They're not going to no. uh, be
1: able to do that or change that. One thing I did find interesting on uh, AFL Twitter was when the Essence supporters were talking about a couple of times when uh, the Ruckman for Sydney actually took it out of the Ruck and got tackled straight away, He didn't dispose of the ball, the ball spilled out in the tackle, they wanted holding the ball. Uh, apparently some supporters can't keep up with the rule changes and I don't blame them because the rules change all the time, but the the Ruck free kick, when they grab it out of the Ruck and you get tackled straight away, so it's actually not a free kick
0: anymore, it's so just uh to, to teach a, a couple of those fans on Twitter. Yeah, yeah. But that wasn't the reason that that, that incident was holding the ball. <laughs> it was the fact that he got the ball, he then took three or four steps and had prior opportunity to dispose of it, then was tackled and the ball spilled out. So he didn't dispose of it correctly. But see, this is where the, the grey area is. If the ball spills it. out in the tackle... But he didn't dispose of it If the correctly. ball
1: spills out in the tackle, that's what they use as an excuse. But sometimes they will pay... Uh, Incorrect disposal So it's really confusing uh, Sometimes we're four rounds in And a rule like that Shouldn't have that big of a grey
0: area You know the holding the ball rule in itself Has so many grey areas Because there's incorrect disposal There's not making a genuine attempt There's prior opportunity There's You dragged it in You dragged it in You dived on it There's so many different aspects to the rule But The thing is Pez Every AFL fan at the grounds And watching it And the media Seem to understand the rule Would that be fair? I feel like I'd have more of an understanding of the rule than, than what the AFL do. Sometimes you got to feel like uh, if the commentators are actually coaching from the
1: commentary box, it'd, yeah, be, maybe. it'd be a little bit better. Uh, I don't know. Uh, we do have to move on from that uh, first scintillating game of uh, only three points. The next game, St Kilda versus West Coast. Uh, absolutely unbelievable here. With St Kilda being 33 points down during that third quarter and coming back to win by 20 Uh, Still trailing by 10 at three quarter time. So they absolutely piled it on. They scored 54 source to one. They went on a
0: 54 one run. Yeah. To win the game They kicked 8 consecutive goals um, Coming into that 3rd quarter Slash 4th quarter Like Incredible thing And it was led by Your favourite man Max King He was absolutely astounding. The King is back He was absolutely Astounding out there With career best Which I was surprised at a Career best 5 goals feel like every time That he's on the verge Of those big games He gets a little bit nervous Around the 4 mark But You know We also saw some uh, some People pop up That needed to have Popped up in the last Couple of weeks Dan Butler was pretty good With 3 goals um, Jack, You know uh, Man of steel Jack Captain Jack always good always good um, you know 33 disposals and one goal for him but it was some of those other underwhelming performers throughout the you, you early on this season that that came alive in that fourth quarter
1: yeah there's two big names uh, for me there's Brad Hill uh, who was actually showing effort and wanted wanted the footy and wanted to kick it and he was actually disposing of the ball very very well he had 26 touches 19 of those being kicks And the other guy who wasn't so impressive the week before in a 75-point loss against Essendon, it was Brad Crouch, the recruit from Adelaide. His clearance work, he had 13 kicks, 13 handballs for 26 touches. He kicked a behind as well, but uh, his clearance work inside is going to make so much more when the the Saints are better. When Dan Hanbury was playing for the Saints last year, his inside work was absolute gold. Uh, Obviously, with injuries, he's not going to play that often. So if Brad Crouch can take on that role and... Really get get the ball out to players like Billings and Hill, who, if they're accurate kicks, you've got a bloke Max
0: King who can win the Coleman down in the forward line. So use him. Yeah, and I think um, you you sort of alluded to a point that I was going to get to—that the trust in the coach was really, um, really. He was one of the main reasons that you guys came back in this game because in that first half, I think not only having the trust in those players that did perform in that fourth quarter to continually instill and go like, you know what, we know we're know we going to continually go with this side because this is the right side for the win. They adjusted their game plan. That first half of football, it's like they didn't realise they were playing West Coast Eagles because all they were doing was getting the ball out quick, running the ball quickly and then bombing it high and long into the West Coast defence line or the St Kilda forward line, which is... If you're going to do it against any team, don't do it against <laughs> the West Coast. Like that is their bread and butter. That's where they go and that's where they unload. But then you know that coming out of half time, they made a great some great adjustments. They adjusted their game plan, and hello and behold, they got a win. <laughs> well, what do, you, what do you got? Ten
1: goals to three in the second half. And you had 27 scoring shots to 17, a plus 10 for scoring shots for a team, West Coast, who are, are going to be bleeding. They've gone to Marvel twice now and lost. where well, they were up by, I think, seven against the Bulldogs. Yep. Oh, 12 against the Bulldogs. Had both, a kick to go up three. Could have had those two, bank them as two wins and put the pressure off them. But now the pressure's right on. They've got to really win those games. And they've got to, you know, to sneak a couple more away. So... After being 33 points up, I'm not sure what Adam Simpson would have said to them. Uh, a, a long trip back, and they've got Collingwood this week, so they might come big game, out really big they might come out a bit. but uh, Yeah, my thing that I've got for you, a little over-under for you, Source, is a comeback by more than 30 points uh, in the second half. So if a team's down by more than five goals within the second half, how many times this season will a team come back and steal the victory? I've put the line at three and a half Seventeen rounds left, three and a half times. Is that
0: including the two times it's happened now? You're saying from this from, point on, from, from now, times. from now. Yeah, it's interesting because I think the way that the media has been talking about it this week and how astounding people are that you know, especially in this this way football can go, that we we don't really see teams once they get on top, they they let go of that lead. But I guess what it shows is that if if the coaches make the right adjustments and the game plan shifts a little bit, then this can happen because. They piled on eight goals, Piers. Like, that's that's something that, that you know, wouldn't see in the, in the old days of football. Three and a half, that's very high. Um, I'm going to go over. I'll go over. You're over. I'll definitely stick under that because that's uh,
1: something unbelievable. I know if you're 30 points down at half-time, you can come back and win, and that, yeah. that will still count. So you need that to happen four times, their source. But... Uh, I, can't see that happening unless North are up by 30 points at halftime or something and, like that.
0: And that's what I'm sort of hoping is that there'll be a team that gets out of the, the gates late and be, you know, very happy. And we'll talk about North Melbourne and when we get to them in the next segment. But, you know, they'll be very happy that they're leading at halftime or they're like this or whatever. I mean, you look at the Sydney versus Richmond game. Everyone thought that Richmond were going to come back in that third quarter. And they did show glimpses, but they just needed a couple of things to go right. And it would have happened. But When a couple of things don't go right. Don't go wrong. It, it, yep. Yeah. You can't stop the bleeding, as you would have known as a Saints fan the week before. Right, as we know,
1: four rounds of footy already. So many upsets and so many massive upsets this season. Anything can happen in footy and things will happen in footy. What happened here was not so much an upset, but Gold Coast playing at home at Metricon against Carlton. Lost uh, by 11 points, Carlton 70 to Gold Coast 59 uh, a lot more scoring shots to Carlton, who sprayed a lot of scoring opportunities. Uh, wh- what happened to the Gold Coast Suns here? Uh,
0: it was very simple, Pez. Like, we spoke earlier in the season about how they were going to make the Gold Coast uh, Metricon Arena a fortress for them, and they were not going to allow any team to escape there with wins, but... Simple thing was that they had no rucks. Like, you know, last week, um, Jared, Jared Witts, the co-captain, he went down with a pretty devastating season-ending knee injury. And listen to this uh, lineup of people that uh, attended ruck contests and actually were their ruckmen. They had defender <laughs> Caleb Graham, who did the bulk of it, Chris Burgess, Hugh Greenwood, and even Took Miller. Jumped in there a couple of times to help out. <laughs> oh, I
1: loved it when he actually got the hit out and the <laughs> the commentators actually got the stat up. Yeah. He's actually had five
0: hit outs in his career, Took Miller. That's, that's incredible. Like... um. You know, but for me, um, this game was not just about ruck, um, the ruck work, because the Gold Coast they were allowed to be in this game because Carlton had a, a you know a second quarter that they sort of they jumped out to a little bit here and there, and it was through it was through the ruck contest, but. For me, it was the inconsistency of some of the players that we've been, you know, really tipping our hat to in the first the first month or so. The Gold Coast, um, well, we're not going to use these as excuses anymore of these players that they're not stepping up. But you had, you know, Noah Anderson was fantastic. Um, Jack Bowers was pretty good. Swallow's always good. Alice is always good. We need those other young players that we've been talking about, Rankine and King and, and some of those other players that we've been, you know, really excited to, and talked about. You need them to be starting to build more consistent approaches because I feel if those other three or four players, you know, mentioned play well, Gold Coast win, because uh, Carlton really didn't want to win this game. They were doing everything in their power to give uh, Gold Coast the chocolates. Especially in the last quarter.
1: You know how we spoke about in the Essendon game getting the ball in Hines' hands. They've got a bloke who's an amazing, beautiful kick of the footy, Jack Lacocious, only had 13 disposals. 11 of those were kicks, but if he's not having 20, 25 disposals a game, uh, Gold Coast, sons, you're doing something wrong. Get the ball in that man's hands and good things will happen. Uh, now, It was a one-point game at three-quarter time and Carlton came out, they kicked one goal seven. So, as you said, did absolutely everything in their power to try and lose it. Gold Coast only managed three behinds in that last quarter and to only lose by 11 points uh, was a little bit embarrassing in the end for Carlton, but they get the four points, that's what they needed and big thing about the Gold Coast this year, source, I had them in the eight, but after going one and three, realistically, you, you look back at all their games
0: they could be four and zip mm-hmm. and they're 1 and 3 and they're in trouble they definitely are in trouble Pez, and it's it's disappointing because i think you had them and a lot of people were sort of 50-50 on whether this is the year that they were going to make that jump i said though, they'll probably one more year away and i think you know they they're a bit unlucky like they've had you know no ruck they've had their ruckman go down they've had probably their best player who's played now a combination of five games for them go down um they're getting Players that are still trying to find their feet, but it's hard trying to build a dynasty and build a culture of winning when you don't have the same players on the park there and uh, they're really gonna struggle with no Ruckman in the next couple of weeks. I think they've got some big games against teams that have established Ruckmans that, you know, realistically, it's gonna be hard to win the pill when you don't get first look at it. Well they got the dogs, then the Suns and the Pies, so the Suns play the Suns. Suns play the Suns, do they?
1: Oh, they better. <laughs> if they've got a buy and they play the Suns, they might actually get a win. How good's that?
0: Oh, the Swans, the Swans. That's a bit better. peers but again, three teams that have established Ruckmans. I was going to say Stephen Munn, You got Tom Hickey, Brodie Grundy. So, Ugh. but but if you look at that game, right, if they have a ruckman and they had Matty Rail playing, they're all achievable, winnable games. Especially because I would assume probably what one of the, one or two of those are at home at the Gold Coast. So, and that's the issue is, and it? and it's disappointing for the Suns because. This was the year that they needed to win all their home games as a starting point to make a run at it next year.
1: Look, they lose all three games and and they're in trouble. So the over-under here, uh, is Gold Coast seasons over? Now, Source, you had them at 12th on your letter pre-season. I had them in the eight as I said. So we'll sit them in the middle. Letter, Letter position 10. Do you think they go over? So 10 or above or under 11
0: or below? Yeah, like I think... Unfortunately for the Gold Coast Suns, I have to go under, uh, and mainly because there are teams that aren't performing that well, like Brisbane. You've got a couple of teams down the bottom that we just don't know about in terms of like Carlton and um, Collingwood and GWS. Those teams that you know people predicted to be around that area, and if you compare their lists, their lists are just a little bit um, more on the park, to be honest. Like you know they you know, there's no real Adelaide's not the easy beat that they were we predicted at the start of the year, so they're probably gonna struggle against some of those ones. Same with Frio. You know, they'll play Hawthorne and North, but I think they're gonna be well under. Just just
1: heartbreaking, I have to go with you. On the under as well, uh unfortunate for the Gold Coast Suns there. Uh, that concludes our segment of Over and Under. We've spoken about three games. There are six to go source, and we're heading to big win, little win.
0: of two of those teams that we actually just mentioned there, Pez, uh, Collingwood and GWS. We, we've talked about big upsets. This was a huge upset, uh, but not really. Realistically, there was two teams that uh, hadn't won many games and they were not playing that well. And they are under the delivering for the talent that people have to say that they've got in the field. Collingwood uh, came up really short at the MCG, which would be heartbreaking, especially to, you know, a bit of a rivalry that I think that's building. Because we remember the famous victory that GWS had at the MCG, sneaking one to get into a grand final. This was a huge win for the club, winning by thirty points against uh, the helpless Magpies.
1: Helpless Magpies, indeed. Um, there was lost, losing by five goals to the Giants. Big upset. Uh, now there was big talk the week before when when Grundy absolutely dominated in hitouts, but they didn't do what they needed to do. Collingwood. It's a, it's the same story here. There was forty-four hitouts to eighteen overall. Most of those were to Brodie Grundy against Mumford. Uh, Thirty-six to 32 clearances in favor of gws and the center clearances gws plus four as well so they they got plus four for the whole game and most of that was in the center where you've got your ruckman and your three midfielders ready to go so that's really really disappointing that the pies weren't able to address that and uh gws the the man of the hour mr toby green uh if he performs
0: they perform and uh he kicked five Not only that though Pez is the way that he did it Like you know He was captaining the side In the absence of Stephen Cornelio there And he took his tally for this season To 13 goals And absolutely dominated But not just on the scoreboard His, his um, leadership and Led from the front And that's what we've been asking GWS Giants to do And maybe that's what they need. Maybe he needs to be the the, you know they need to take over the role as captain, and that is the heart and soul. Because they played for him on 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 Saturday night. They were all for him. They were all in there. They looked fantastic. Absolutely fantastic. They were doing the team things. They were running the ball. Again, you know, Collingwood didn't have um, take I guess take the opportunities from the ruck that they were getting. But in saying that, they. Yeah, GWS looked good. They look well, back to the team that we, we believe them to be.
1: Uh, is Brady Grundy too easy to read or do the Collingwood midfield have a bit more work to do? Because Callum Ward had 37, Torano 34 and Hopper 32, most of them uh, in the middle for most of the night. So big, big possessions, whereas two Collingwood players had over 30 and they just had 30 inside bottom and Crisp, who you'd say are more wingman type of player and get their ball out on the wing. So who's going to win the ball in the middle of the ground for Collingwood moving forward because uh, they're in a bit of strife after that loss.
0: Yeah, they're in, they're in big trouble, I think, Collingwood. And we sp- I actually spoke about this at the start of the year, Pairs. I said this could be a potentially, you know, two teams that are 0-4 and, 4, and um, we could be discussing about the team that's going to be first to the finish line to lose their coach. Collingwood go up next week against the West Coast Eagles. They'll be back at Optus Stadium for them and uh, – Nathan Buckley could be in a lot of trouble because there's a range of different decisions and it's not really his fault because of what the club has allowed them to, to be left with after, you know, the exit that they had um, last year, well, last year famously. Um, and it's not his fault, but they will need to start to, to address it. They had, um, you know, they had a couple of injuries that, that are not going to help for next week. They're playing an in-form West Coast Eagles. When I say in-form, when they play at SBS Stadium, they're in-form. Yeah, it doesn't, doesn't matter uh, <laughs> who they're
1: playing against, does it? Uh, they usually win. Um... Big win, little win here. I'm going to go a big loss for Collingwood, and the reason for that is they had the same issue the week before. They weren't able to address it and get it over and done with, so I've already mentioned that in terms of Brody Grundy and his hit-out dominance. Uh, if he's going to hit it out like that, just smash the ball forward and try and get a contest at half-forward or something. Try something different because it's not working, and it didn't work, and they got dominated in the middle, and that's what led to their five-goal demise on the weekend.
0: Yeah, uh, for me, I'm going big win for the GWS forward line, pairs because we've spoken about this a couple of times, about they seem to get the ball in there and they just don't use it efficiently. Uh, On the weekends, they had 48 inside 50s, four less than Collingwood, actually, but they had 20 20 shots from 48 entries. As we said, Green had 5-1, Finlayson kicked 4-2, Kelly had 2, Himmelberg had 2 shots on goal, 3 shots on goal, like... That's, what, that's a big win for them because that has been one of their problems that they just continually get the ball in there and then do nothing with it.
1: There you go, Giants fans. You got a, you got a big win for the season. Well done. Their first win for the season yeah. as well. So that's another big win for them. We move on to the next game, Source: We had North taking on the Adelaide Crows. North leading at three-quarter time. We're watching this uh, on the way to the footy on the tram.
0: <laughs> and Adelaide end up winning by 41 points yeah, it's pretty pretty disappointing for for North Melbourne because uh, they the Crows looked dead and buried. Uh, they trailed by four points, as you said, at three quarter time, but it wasn't the because they were down. They had given away a big lead in that third quarter already. They were up, I think it was about you know three or four three or four goals. North Melbourne came back, they they dominated that that um that third quarter. They went in and they looked like they were going to take the run for it, but then I said this to you on the on the train pairs. I said this could go one or two ways. Adelaide could come out and respond. Or North Melbourne could be just content that they're actually in the game and then lie down and die, and that's what they did, and uh, lie
1: down they did. So you think they're just full of praise at three-quarter time. Oh, boys. We're, we're in the game. We're going to have a beer after the game. This is, this is all good. So not moving the magnets around or not actually continuing to put the effort in and try and win the games now. Uh, North, it's, it's not their fault, mate. Look at their list there. They don't have that. They were... They were four points ahead. Aaron Hall was impressive with 33 disposals. Jai Simpkin was back to his best as well. But um, too little and too late because no one did it in the fourth quarter and uh, absolutely dominated. McAdam, I think he had most of his goals. He kicked three, at least mm. two of them in that last quarter there. Um, Texans started started the game on fire yeah, again. Yeah. Kicked two, two, two goals. Straight, yeah. Two straight at the start. He finished with three as well. Fogarty had three. Schoenberg had two. Um Stevenson was really good as well. He had two goals too. Goldstein went forward and kicked two goals. Nick Larkey was impressive with three goals. So something to look forward to for North. But what I want to know, are North fans happy with that performance? They were up at three-quarter time, which losing by 128 points the week before, not too good. But then you lose by 41 points. I don't know how they would feel.
0: Yeah, I think... Do you know what's good is that the players that responded weren't just this, like the senior players all responded. They had all their, their senior players, you know, people like, you know, Larky, Goldstein was in there. Um, Hall, you had, uh, you know, some of the newcomers in terms of Stevenson, but Zeebel and Thomas, they all stood up. That's a positive for the club. Now, running to the finish line, we can make excuses that maybe that uh, they ran out of legs. They did have a, a pretty, you know, a concussion early on there from Zerha. They had McDonald, probably one of their best players in the last couple of you know, seasons. He was he was uh, laid out with that pectoral muscle tear bit of a, so a bit, bit of, of a, a tear a bit of fatigue <laughs> we'll put that down well, it right? could be fatigue but I, I would be happy with um, I would be happy with that considering the probably piss poor performance they've put up for the first two weeks
1: I was speaking to a mate today and uh, you put yourself in North's shoes show a bit of empathy what are you hoping for each week what would be a goal you would set as a North supporter do you think
0: that we get beaten by skill error, not by decision making. So, like you know, we we miss kick a couple here and we turn over and get scored against. Not that we one that we showing we're showing effort. Like so, we're showing effort. We're trying to implement a game plan, which you know, as I said to you the last week with the Western Bulldogs, they're sticking with this game plan. It it does look all right, and when they connect with that skill level, it works. You know, we saw that against Adelaide in that little bit of a comeback. That's the stuff that I would be happy with when a team's in the rebuild and we continually see improvement from those young, those young uh, draftees that they're getting.
1: You know what I'm going with? Let's lose by less than 80 points. Be
0: happy if we lose by less than 80. You just you just hate North Melbourne, right? <laughs> like they've, they've come back. They were leading at three quarter time, which you would never have against last year's wooden spooners. But they, mate, they've never never looked like leading anyone at half at three quarter time or even a quarter time. I can't believe the scoreline.
1: I can't believe the scoreline. Forty one points.
0: Yeah, that was incredible. In was a quarter. It? All right. So were there your big win, big win, little win pairs? Oh,
1: big loss. North Melbourne, I know you lost by less than 80 points and I just said anything under 80 is good, but to be leading at three-quarter time, you've got, to, you've got to still be in the fight to that final five minutes and, and still going for it. You just gave up and you, you don't want that. I know there were two men down or whatever. They had the medical sub come on. So, so one man down on the bench, but North, you, you've got to show more than that. So it's a massive massive loss and
0: massive disappointment for your fans yeah for me i'm going big win just for adelaide in general they get their third win of the season uh which they didn't get that last year at all um they they've you know there's a lot of things to like from this they responded after being challenged at three quarter time they got out to a massive lead 41 points in the end and actually that winning margin and as well as that as i said they're, they're sitting fifth on the afl ladder they've or they're they're, th- they're three and one and they're, they're winning games away from home as well tick 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 big win for adelaide football club
1: no one's expecting that at no, the start no of the year They're expecting them to beat north but um, be 1 and 3 maybe but at the start uh, of the
0: season we said that you know what they'll probably split those games they'll probably north melbourne will probably win the one at, at marvel and adelaide will that's what win that's there. what you said
1: but oh, not not Jesus me mate Christ, you're such a bloke <laughs> I, I did say All north right, wouldn't win a game let's get into the last happens. game
0: of the the round that Pez that we uh, continued on our sunday session from the mcg we went straight, straight across to, uh, the precinct. to to the precinct in richmond Beautiful establishment, and we continued to, uh, having a couple of frothies watching the Fremantle versus Hawthorne game. And this this was a very interesting game. It was very topsy-turvy, and there was a lot of things happening. But Pez, tell us uh, tell us how the, the Dockers got it done. Well, the Dockers got it done by domination. Only 15 points in the end source, but they were
1: up uh, five goals to nothing in the first quarter, and we thought it was going to be a bloodbath. Uh, Hawks came back in the second quarter, five goals to one, and then it, w- it was pretty even. Uh, then by that standards, the only thing keeping it even was Fremantle's goal kicking, uh, which wasn't uh, too flash hot, especially Nathan Fife, who kicked zero, goals six, and a little bit of a cheeky interview afterwards said he'd practiced his goal kicking and was spotted on the ground,
0: (laughs) actually kicking over the man on the mark uh, and kicking shots at goal, which is good to see. Yeah, it was good to see the Fremantle Dockers um, really respond after last week. They sort of got called out for not being physical. They brought it up to the Hawks. Uh, this is this wasn't a game that they couldn't afford to lose because it's at home. You're playing the struggling Hawks and they actually came out and they showed a lot of lot of physicality. There were a lot of little spot fires going on. Um, but, you know, they, they could have won this by – they should have won this by um, 30, 40 points. They, they dominated everything. Um, the, they just, just the experience through their midfield. They, they you know, they won the clearance of 16 to 5. They won they contested ball 41-33. to 33. They won the inside 50, 17-10. to 10, And they just didn't allow Hawthorne to, to get a, like a real proper sniff into it. And it was just their inaccuracy in front of goal that stopped or prevented them from uh, being big winners. Yeah, yeah
1: exactly right. The, the only thing was the inaccuracy. But one thing to be impressed about if you are Hawthorne, Chad Wingard, uh, as that recruit from Port Adelaide, in the last two weeks since he's come into the team, he's actually shown some fight and uh, uh, shown some good things. He had 26 disposals and a goal, uh, which was really decent. Sean Darcy has been impressive over there uh, as well as the Ruckman source. So when he comes up against Geelong, we'll see uh, how you guys go against him without a Ruckman yourself.
0: Yeah, well, it's, uh, we'll be the big loser then. <laughs> but,
1: uh, and for this one, who's your big winner? Who's your big loser? What's the What do you go? Uh, big winner is uh, Fremantle. And Nathan Fife, and the reason he's a big winner, even though he kicks six behinds, he's actually going to be focused on that now. He's he's kick famous for kicking behinds uh, before in the grand final against Hawthorne years mm-hmm. and years ago. So uh, I think he comes out and he kicks uh,
0: kicks pretty straight and kicks uh, multiple goals multiple times for the rest of the year. Yeah, um, and I'm a, I'm a big win for just the Fremantle um, offensive line there. Uh, well, offensive line, their forward line, their their scoring attack. To get 31 um, shots on goal for, for a side that is famous for really dragging the life out of a game, and they showed not only that they can defend, but they started to put some offensive pressure on them. So big win for, for Fremantle Footy Club, and especially their forward line, and just being able to get multiple entries in there, as well as lock down Hawthorne and sort of restrict them to 21, you know, 21 scoring shots. Ten, 10 more scoring shots from a... You know, from a team that a lot of people had Hawthorne a lot higher and Fremantle, they had them, you know, about thereabouts with Hawthorne. Really, really big win for uh, the Fremantle Football Club.
1: Yeah, really, really good job and great job on uh, the big win, little win source. We've got three games to go and it's bring your own hashtag.
0: Hashtag. (laughs) This is interesting. (laughs) It's a main event in any stadium in the world. Hashtag going viral. We only can't go with it.
1: Hashtag. That's all, folks. And our first game, match of the round, indeed. Port Adelaide versus Richmond at home. A two-point nail-biter at the end. Port Adelaide won 79 to Richmond, 77 source. Uh, Richmond kept challenging throughout the game. Port Adelaide uh, kicked away uh, a couple of times, but Richmond kept on coming back, got the lead, and uh, it was very topsy-turvy. A couple of uh, missed shots, which Richmond might uh, rue towards the end there, but um, Port Adelaide in that fourth quarter, with a lot of heart, the crowd behind them had multiple injuries and multiple people go down, and they just fought, got the two-point win after losing that prelim final last week, and it was uh, great to see the Port Adelaide crowd up and about.
0: Yeah, (laughs) the Port Adelaide crowd, do they love their footy, mate? There were some absolute uh, passionate supporters that the TV definitely focused on during some of those questionable decisions, even though I think they got the – the the rub of the stick there a couple of those times but Robbie Gray as you said slotted uh, a a goal in the you know the last four minutes to get the get the chocolates done they're starting to build a really good rivalry here after the last three years they've had some really classic games remember our one last year where they won by one or two points they had that prelim final that you know where Richmond uh, got the got the chocolates but uh, Port Adelaide uh, I think they face a bit of adversity now because they're coming into they lost last week in you know in yuck really yuck fashion to the West Coast Eagles and blown out they've proven that they can win at home pairs. and the question. Is, is is are they able to perform away from Adelaide because the trend is starting developing they've got some injuries now that maybe that's not the case maybe they did so well last year because of the hub and not because of the talent that we all think that they really have yeah well two big injuries Dersma
1: and Butters who will most likely be out uh for a period of time but the the big thing you did mention at their source winning away from home they come down and play Carlton this week and Carlton coming back from Metricon uh haven't been too impressive this year at all Carlton and uh Pretty even money at the moment, uh, where Port Adelaide. Uh, I think they're sitting. They're sitting favourites, but can they get the job done uh, away from that Adelaide Oval? Uh, one player I did want to mention is Lockie Jones, and the reason I'm mentioning him is because how many times was he mentioned on oh the, the commentary by that Channel Seven team? Just relax. He's, he's got a mullet, he's got a moustache Good on him, and, and he plays a, for Port Adelaide And he's
0: a big boy, like he is a big boy for a 19 year old But at the same time he's had a year in the system like, he's let not him play Let him just do his thing Let him play, he he actually uh, played decently had seventeen had
1: uh, 17 disposals there 14 of them kicks And the only thing downfall on him at the moment Is he didn't have a tackle And he had multiple opportunities to lay the tackle But
0: something just got in that situation there yeah, something that um I noticed from the game was I was a little bit disappointed with the Richmond midfield. Uh, I feel like we're we're you know that Prestia injury that we've that's really really affected them um, because their midfield just doesn't seem to have the same response uh, as they do when he's in there. We remember last year when he went down and they went through that patch where they continued to just sort of win games, but you know they they had that loss to Sydney in, during that time, and I oh, was not the loss by Sydney. I think they won by like five points against Sydney. They Had that loss to Port Adelaide last year when when Prestia went down. But they need more effort from some of these midfielders. Like, you know, they're, like their they're leading disposal the getter was Jaden Short, who had 31. Bashar had 26. Came Lambert had 24. All these other guys need to be up in the 25s, 30s. And, and not only that, but they need to be winning the clearances as well. And, you know, they had... You know, Shea Bolton was your, your biggest clearance winner with five. And Trent Cochin, who looked like he was doing everything in that last quarter, he had four. Like, where is everyone else in that midfield putting in the effort for a team that we are continually talking about as a dynasty? They need to respond and they need to be doing it in better fashion, I think, through that midfield.
1: And they've usually got more players that rotate through there and get those clearances. Yeah, they seem to very them. stagnant. And the two players you mentioned, Jaden Short and Bashahouli, both uh, kicking the ball out of defence and mm-hmm. wanting to get the ball in their hands. Uh, of course, Dustin Martin gave one off to Short, who kicked, kicked a goal from about 48 metres out because he is a beautiful kick of the footy. But he's not in the middle winning the ball. So if you're not winning the ball there, uh, you do put pressure on your defence. And, and that's how Port Adelaide were able to win that match. In the end, so uh, Richmond got a bit of a job to do, but Damien Hardwick did say during the week, Sauce, he said we're we're a three-time premiership team, we're coming off back-to-back, and uh, we'll we'll get it right.
0: Okay, all right, Pez, where is uh, your hashtag for this one?
1: All right, Sauce, uh, now I know it was a classic game, two-point game, but I'm steering away from that, a little bit of sadder news, Xavier Dersmer going down with a knee, he's out for... Uh, About 12 to 14 weeks, so could see him out for most of the season here. So my hashtag is
0: hashtag bowandarrowheartbreak. That's a good one, Piss. I like that. <laughs> uh, mine hashtag for it is hashtag Tiger King, not only for obvious reasons the of the. Well, there's a range of different reasons for this one there. Eh? I think that the Tigers are facing their first real bit of adversity coming into next week, playing the Saints. And uh, who's the stars of the Saints, mate? Hey, the King! Tiger King. So that's what it is. They're facing their first bit of adversity, just like Joe Exotic always did. Uh, I've never actually seen it, but I'm sure <laughs> he, uh, there was lots of uh, rubbish going on in that uh, thing. But uh, next week for the Mel uh, uh, Richmond, it won't be. Rubbish, hopefully they can respond uh, So that's uh, my hashtag <laughs> There you go, well done <laughs> <laughs> Alright, we get into the next game Pez, the Western Bulldogs Versus the Brisbane Lions The Bulldogs sort of just uh, Were in cruise control all day um, And they got a, a nice uh, win at Mars Stadium 73-54 to 54. They went by 19 points it was, it was a bit of a nothing-nothing sort of game, wasn't it? It was. The Dogs were uh, in control
1: that whole time. Uh, looked really cold down in Ballarat, oh. sitting in
0: the lounge room with the heater
1: on myself. Uh, they know how to rug up down in Ballarat because it does get very, very cold down there. But the Bulldogs did this one with these. Um, had players that were winning all around the park. Their forward line was even impressive. Harris Andrews did go down and uh, do a sneaky, uh, sneaky shot at goal and, and kicked one for Brisbane because he was practising, as we heard the commentators say. Uh, for hours upon hours before the game and before the start, but a comfortable 19-point victory in the end. Uh, Brisbane Lions never really seemed like they were going to come back and and get into the game. And as impressive as the Bulldogs was, I did want to speak a little bit about the Brisbane Lions source because watching them in the first four games of the year, something's just a little bit off with them. They're not the the team that they were, that they were last season, and it all comes down to their effective disposals. They're they're mucking it up and turning that ball over. Uh, that 50 to 70 metre out mark uh, where they're just not hitting that target and it's actually missing by five or six metres in some cases and the, the other teams are going down the other end and doing that. So I'm a little bit worried about Brisbane there. They do need to, you know, come out and fire up. Lockie Neal's come out during the week saying he's got a bit of a back injury uh, but he's going to play through. So I, I don't take that Either do I. As, as anything. Especially if you've when, got when a, he
0: came out last week and he said no excuses. We're, we're in back If you've
1: got an injury... Don't play Or else yep. You're not injured You're 100% to go So Yeah, um, yeah Very disappointed In uh, Brisbane's disposal This year
0: Yeah and, and I think you sort of Spoke about it We, we spoke about it A couple of times And everyone spe- speaks About it That you know, generally If you play the Western Bulldogs You're conceding That you're going To lose the football In terms of the Disposal count Like normally You have uh, three or four Players get over 30 They had one you know, The Brisbane Lions Defended it well They only had one Player that got over 32 Which was, was Jack McRae for, for the Doggies But then they led All other disposals Because Rich had 29 locking had twenty seven. McCluggage had twenty five. Lyons had twenty four. Harris Andrews had twenty three. Zorko had twenty three. Gardner had twenty two. But it's exactly what you said. They've got to be better users of the football. And we spoke last year about one of their biggest, de- you know, deficits was that they would just sort of fire away at goal. And it seems like they're doing that during the midfield. They're taking a lot of risks that they don't need it to unwarranted risks. And they're not the same team that they were. And I think. Some of the injuries and the inclusion of Joe Danaher and trying to get used to this tall timber sort of you know, forward line has really affected them.
1: Yeah, well, plus 14 in the disposals, as you said, brid to Brisbane, which is surprising, but minus 17 in the inside 50s, so, so that's not too good. Uh, they only had eight goals, Sauce, and only eight goals, six, but speaking of Joe Danaher... He he did not mean that from the boundary. How's how's that goal in the right? As the the best accidental
0: goal of the year (laughs) ever. Like, Jesus Christ.
1: Uh, That that was unbelievable. But we do get to our hashtags source. And uh, I'll go first here. I've got uh, in the Ballarat game, you might have noticed in the first quarter, it was Charlie Cameron. He was running in the pocket and he kicked a right foot banana and he missed to the left-hand goal post. And this reminded me of suburban footy a lot. My hashtag is hashtag hungry because that's <laughs> what you heard from the
0: crowd in the pocket in that first quarter it was fantastic yeah that's a great one pez mine are paddle pop lions hashtag paddle pop lions oh. because not only are we talking about a cold <laughs> wintry day down there the lions have been ice cold and i know that they've played at three different venues in three weeks in melbourne and so it's a little bit hard to get used to something they'll be excited to return home but at the moment the lions are really cold and uh, very disappointing <laughs> i really like
1: that one i have seen um the pedal pop Lions logo um replaced with the Brisbane lines logo <laughs> i think that was a few years back when they were they were quite poor so maybe that'll come back source uh the next game is is the game where we're at the the Melbourne demons versus the Geelong cats where Melbourne uh, probably should have won by a bit more in the end Geelong uh, I don't know who did well If it was Melbourne did poorly Or Geelong did well to keep it They got within 12 points I think it was in that fourth quarter I saw sometimes their source But uh, they lost by 25 points in the end 12 goals 13, 85 To 9 goals 6, 60 uh, Stephen May even went down to an accidental elbow From Tom Hawkins in the first quarter Oh, Nasty and uh, his
0: eye blew up and we didn't know what was happening. He was walking off. Uh, it looked like he had his back. Yeah. And we were around some supporters that had radios and they're like, oh, it's his back. And someone said, oh, no, it's his eye. And the way he was walking and we're like, what he's how does his eye affect yeah, that? Does it affect it. But um, when you watch the replay, it was a brutal hit, an accidental hit, of course, because um, it was on the other opposite side of the ground to us. We yeah, couldn't see too well. Brutal, and um, you know that actually when that happened, I thought because Geelong weren't playing well, and they, you know, Melbourne's defense were were doing really well. And again, we don't know if whether it was Geelong's poor forward entry or whether it was, you know, the Melbourne Demons stepping up th- that aspect. But it, it actually looked good for Geelong because they thought, you know what, May's gone down now, and they might be able to get a. Unleash Tomahawk a little bit more, um, but Geelong, Geelong, have got a lot of problems. They're, they're two and two, and we seem to, you know, we everyone, everyone's going to jump on Geelong because they're topping up at the, you know, the older players, but their game style at the moment is rubbish. It is slow. It is indirect. It's 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 not the same game plan that we were running last year. They, they picked up Isaac Smith for pace as well, which is really strange <laughs> same because with Shaw, they Shane Walsh though,
1: but they look good when Isaac Smith is running down the wing uh, with freedom and kicking the ball inside 50, but they don't do it often enough because they slow down and they let Melbourne get back. And Melbourne, even though they lost May, uh, Tomlinson cover Hawkins pretty well for the end and Lever played uh, a decent game in defence as well, Source. So they, they didn't really have uh, that open space in the forward 50 because they didn't move the ball quick enough.
0: Yeah, and you are right, Pez. Geelong look their best when they are streaming along those wings and, you know, Jordan Clark, Garai Gar- Myers, um, Constable, as you said, Smith, you know, Jack Henry's got some pace. They've got players that have got pace. I don't know why they are continually slowing it down and swinging Yes, we are a good user, like team, you know, where efficiency for a kicking skill is really good. But they're just, they're just, like, they're actually their worst enemy. And they're defending themselves a lot of the time because they've got some runs and they can take some high risks, go through the midfield. And they just, they just, they're just, it's very frustrating to watch. Very, very frustrating. Extremely frustrating But what's not frustrating to watch
1: is Melbourne at the moment Uh, Christian Petrarca Absolutely amazing, three votes to him Um, But the player I'm most impressed With is uh, The best small forward in the game Source, Cozzy Pickett He kicked one goal too, he's always in the right spot I spoke to you a few times on the (laughs) the Sunday He just gets the ball He gets uh, so many goal involvements and score involvements But the big thing that impresses me He had seven tackles
0: as well it's 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 very rare that you see um you know a player in this early into their career that not only has excitement but every time he gets the ball or any time he's near the ball the awe in the, the the stadium was just like just expectation and every time as you said he made the right decision there was one where he picked up the ball and got a clearance and was a two on one and just this with ease boom bounce bounce handball popped straight back up. Great decision, just made the right decision. And in the rare times that he, you know, the ball bounced the wrong way, he did make the right decision. Geez, works hard to try and get it back.
1: Wow, he's he's got the skills as we we say, and a lot of players do come into the league source that have the skills, but he's got the footy brain already, where he knows exactly what to do and exactly where to be, which is also super important. So, uh, Cozzy Pickett, one to watch uh, in competition for the best small forward in the league, definitely. I loved. Uh, I've only been to two games this year, source. They've both been Melbourne games, Melbourne St. Kilda and Melbourne Geelong, and seen him live both times, he is electric. So uh, we'll, we'll go from him there. And what's your hashtag for that?
0: Hashtag for this one is just hashtag cats and then inverted commas rebuild because they need Ooh. to start injecting some of these younger players into the side that are going to their, to their, their effect. We can't continually top up players. And I'm actually hoping that we lose this week against North Melbourne so that Scott can get the sack and we can start implementing a game plan that works because we need to rebuild our offence and we need to use the players that we've already got there rather than just putting in the 22, inverted commas, best players, put in something that's going to work for our our brand of football that we're trying to win. And I know it's a bit of – I'm focusing on Geelong here. The Ds were really good, but there's big problems because they have gone and tried to buy a premiership in Jeremy Cameron, who's yet to play, and you know, with some of these other players and topping up, they they're in real dire straits. Of not making a top four finish at the moment. And
1: if they don't make top four with that uh, that age demographic in the in the old folks' home down there at Geelong, they need to uh, start to do something. My hashtag is just uh, a hashtag for the whole Sunday sauce, and it was just. Hashtag froffies because uh, there was there was plenty to be had.
0: There was plenty to be had and it was good to be back at the football, Pez, uh, at the G, having a couple of beers, having some banter around in the crowd, listening to some idiotic comments as well as uh, hearing some great comments from the crowd. Jeez, I've missed crowd participation in the football piece. Oh, it's
1: so good uh, sitting around those people. You wouldn't usually uh, be around and hearing what they say and just having a laugh uh, at their expense and uh, you chirping back a, a few times, just not looking at them or anything. Nah, just, yeah, uh, if
0: you're going to chirp back, I love the, the chirp back. The best one was like, come on, umpire. he's uh, What was he saying? He's uh, he's uh, dropping his knees or something? No, what was he saying? Oh, yeah. Uh, there was a, some comment And the guy stuffed it up Ducking his knees Oh he's ducking his knees And I'm like to you like, How do you duck your knees What's what's that And then he got Like Joel Selwood got a free kick You know For, for getting his head ripped off He's like oh if I too bad when he ducked his knees Like that's bad It's, uh, it's always good A little bit of a uh, banter At the footy
1: yeah, It was good back and forth Between Geelong supporter And Melbourne supporter Me sitting there as a bystander Just loving <laughs> laughing, it Laughing we
0: And then also just popping in A little bit of fuel Here <laughs> and there yeah, yeah. I and was trying to
1: up. quietly look back <laughs> Yeah yeah. I do not want to get involved But just put a little bit more On the fire So uh, that concludes Bring your own hashtag Their source, And uh, we get into A new favourite segment Coin toss
0: It was a toss of the coin
1: That
0: guy wins the toss uh, here for coin tosses. Oh, Pez, I think the intro goes longer than the actual segment's meant to. <laughs> <laughs> uh, coin toss is really simple. There's two sides to every coin and realistically, short and sharp and sweet, I give or Pez gives a range of different uh, questions and you need to give Pez straight away a quick snap knee-jerk reaction, yay or nay, uh, but in the first one, we're doing a, a triple. So last undefeated team pairs, you've got the doggies who are four and o. You've got Melbourne who are four and o, and Sydney four and o. Last undefeated team is dogs. Cool. Is that is that short and sharp for you? <laughs> yeah, I go dogs as well. They got a pretty easy run. Uh, they got Gold Coast Jedverse next two weeks. Yeah, uh, and Mel- I think Melbourne they've got Hawthorne and Richmond. They'll probably drop one against Richmond, but if they can get past Richmond, they, they could easily be the last one standing. Uh, no, no um, shoe in for the Swans pairs.
1: Uh, oh, well, they're playing GWS, they're playing Gold Coast And they're both losable games for Sydney at the moment We don't know how how they are going uh, The next one is something that's come up this week We've got um, uh, Degoe And uh, is he up to the standard that of, what is he on? A million bucks a, a year or whatever he is Is he up to that standard of a contract?
0: Yes, compared to Grundy <laughs>
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah
0: yeah, compared. But, to but overall, no, no. He's not. He's not performing. You know, he's averaging under fifteen disposals a game. He's he's not having many score involvements. He, he's down on every every stat around. Um, but is that his fault or is that the the the, the uh, midfield?
1: That was going to be my point. I say he's not up to the standard uh, that he's shown before. But it is on the midfield. Brody Grundy's winning the hitouts. The midfield's not winning the footy. And if he's playing up forward and not getting. Uh, first use of the ball and all that space inside forward 50, he can't really go to work, can he? So uh, I think Collingwood's actual game
0: style at the moment is not helping him in any way. All right, next one. Uh, There's been a little bit of chatter with the AFLW this week with a concussion going to one of the main players who's now unavailable for the grand final. And we already have it in the mail game, the AFL uh, buy before the finals. But the question is now if we would go to a more of a Super Bowl uh, NFL sort of scheme where we have the buy before grand final week or before the uh, actual AFL final start.
1: It's a really hard one because when is this...
0: Going to stop. It it
1: came in before the finals to get players right who were carrying niggling injuries and they wanted the best players to be playing. But you go into a prelim final and Dustin Martin gets a concussion and he can't play in the grand final because it's a week later. Do you have two weeks just to prevent that? One year source, it's going to happen where a big name player will have to miss because of concussion. And uh, I think the AFL will actually just sign that off anyway and and let them play. So uh, I'll say. Keep it
0: before the before the finals at the moment. Totally disagree, Pez. I think that they should have a week off before the grand final to allow the two best teams that have survived that far to you know have the best opportunity to win, not like the Doggies did and have uh, a week to recover. And that way you're more guaranteed that the, the better teams are there for longer and that we get to see well, whoever the best two teams are, they get to have a week of recovery, they get to have a week of game plan, Oh, that'd be right. so much better. Look, I, I
1: think there's a, a bit of an argument to that because nah. the team, if they get a week off and then they play and then they win that first week and they're in the top four, they actually get another week off and then have to play a prelim and then they get another week off. Uh, it, I don't know where, where it is going to stop. Just have a week off before every every final thing or whatever, but... Uh, maybe good. for another day
0: Sounds good yeah. Alright last one Pez This is one without notice That I sort of chucked in there While we were talking And asked if, I don't know if you've seen it or not Very quickly We talked about excitement machi- machines And two of the most exciting players in the game And two small forwards that are electric And they just seem to make the right decisions They're electric They're exciting they, They're they great footballers to watch Simple Pez Flying Ryan or not make it? me pick no, Flying Ryan yeah, it's, it's flying Ryan at the moment, but Cozzy Pickett is not far behind for a three-game player. Not like. far
1: behind, and he can um, he goes into the middle as well and makes an impact in that centre square. So uh, very, very impressive and uh, sneaky of you, Sauce, to put that in after my comments on Pickett during the Melbourne game. But uh, a decent show there. We've uh, gone through with all our segments. Uh, really enjoyed that and a different little spin on it. Uh, so make sure you jump on uh, anything that you have to add at Behind the Bound on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. I've been Pez. Peace out.
0: Yeah, make sure you jump on iTunes or whatever platform you listen to pod for podcasts. Leave a review, five stars. That's how everyone will be able to find us. I'm still source and we'll catch up next time.